they call British Columbia. This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Wild West of Canadian politics. But it's more than that. It's a province where the politics are just straight up weird. Take former Premier Bill Vanderzolm. During his tenure, he was engulfed in a scandal about the sale of a Christian flower theme park called Fantasy Gardens to a Filipino billionaire. Did I do anything wrong? No. Would I do it differently knowing what I know now? Yes. And today, he's very concerned about a major problem plaguing our society. Chemtrails go from horizon to horizon and they spread and they crisscross, and they go next to one another, and pretty soon the whole sky is cloudy. And we don't know who's doing it. We don't know what it is they're putting into the sky. We think it's aluminum board. Or how about Gordon Campbell, another former premier who during a vacation to Hawaii was arrested for driving drunk. And that was while he was the premier. There's the BC Rail Raids and Fast Ferries, Casino Gate and Ethnic Gate, Double Dipping, Triple Deletes, and a whole host of other fun political controversies that have taken place over the years. But this latest one may be the most absurd of them all. And it kicked off just this last November. a lot of questions in BC at this hour after a dramatic sequence of events inside the provincial legislature this afternoon. Two key officials have been placed on indefinite leave pending a criminal investigation. Two of the most powerful people in the legislature, the clerk and the sergeant at arms, were unceremoniously escorted out of the building. The police were investigating, special prosecutors were appointed, and the government's house leader called on these two men to be suspended. I move that Mr. Craig James, Clerk of the Legislative Assembly, and Mr. Gary Lenz, Sergeant-at-Arms, are placed on administrative leave with pay and benefits effective immediately. But nobody knew what the hell was actually going on. Even the men suspended, the Clerk of the Legislature and the Sergeant-at-Arms said they were completely clueless. Do you have any idea what this is pertaining to? No, I don't. And neither does the Sergeant-at-Arms. All of this was done at the behest of the Speaker of the House, Daryl Plekis. As the weeks dragged on and no more details emerged, people became suspicious. What was Plekis doing? Why had he tarnished the reputations of two of the most respected employees of the B.C. government? 
days later, it emerged that Plekis had recommended his friend and political advisor, Alan Mullen, to take the sergeant-at-arms job. The media and the B.C. liberals pounced. We've now learned that the night before the suspensions, Plekis, the speaker, tried to appoint his friend Mullen as the legislature's new sergeant-at-arms. But that move was blocked by all parties. It was a media firestorm. Plekis was accused of cronyism by the press and the opposition liberals. Frustrated, he made a vow. I am completely confident, completely confident, that those audits will show that we have a lot of work to do here. And if the outcome of those audits did not outrage the public, did not outrage taxpayers, did not make them throw up I will resign as Speaker. Just a few weeks ago, he released a report detailing some of the most egregious uses of public funds you've ever heard of. And British Columbians were reaching for their barf bags. When most people think of corruption, they think of the expense scandal. It's Bev Oda $16 orange juice. She switched from another five-star hotel to the much pricier Savoy, then billed taxpayers for a $16 orange juice. It's Alison Redford's Sky Palace. Documents reveal Redford had planned to build a lavish penthouse apartment for herself, all at taxpayers' expense. It's Mike Duffy's PEI cottage. Now the RCMP alleged Duffy committed fraud and breach of trust for filing expense claims in relation to his PEI cottage, which the RCMP says he falsely claimed as his primary home. It's wealthy politicians and public servants taking advantage of their positions for their own good. There isn't a city or province in Canada that hasn't been rattled by half a dozen expense scandals. But compared to other forms of corruption, these are frankly small potatoes. But their impact is massive. This is the type of corruption that the media knows how to report on. It saturates coverage, it brings down politicians, and it undermines our confidence in government itself. And right now, British Columbia is in the middle of one of the weirdest, most interesting expense scandals in recent history. The details are wild. Thousands of dollars of booze being stolen from the legislature. Sketchy six-figure payouts. An insurance fraud scheme involving a fake job and suicide. And a wood splitter that has transfixed an entire province. The only reason we know any of this is because an outsider, beholden to no one, went undercover to expose a culture of corruption that had festered in B.C. for years. I'm Archie Mann, and from Canada Land, this is Commons. In 2017, BC voters delivered a muddled result. The Liberals, who had been in power for 16 years, won the most seats, but they were still one seat shy of a majority. So the NDP and the Greens made a deal. The B.C. Greens will give the B.C. NDP support to form government, and the terms of the agreement, as I've mentioned, will be for four years. We're not looking to have an election anytime soon. We're looking to show the British Columbians that minority governments can work. There was still one small problem. 
The NDP government had to appoint an MLA to be the Speaker of the Legislature, the person who essentially oversees the debate in the House. But if they appointed one of their own members, the votes in the legislature would be tied, forcing the Speaker to vote with the government. And in parliamentary terms, that's a big no-no. The NDP was eventually able to convince a liberal MLA, Daryl Plekis, to take the job. But his party saw it as a betrayal. The caucus had agreed and everybody had committed, including Mr. Plekis, to not run for speaker. So to change your mind and not inform me uh, when you change your mind till after the fact, I, I would still think that's a betrayal. As a liberal, he agreed to do the job and alienated his his former colleagues in, in the Liberal Party. Like They were clearly quite angry. Some of them said things in public that made that clear, uh, even sort of to the point of nastiness. That's Andrew McLeod, the legislative reporter for the TIE. Plekis had been a Liberal MLA since 2013. But when he took the Speaker's job, the Liberals promptly kicked him out of the party. A day after leaving his caucus stunned in silence, blindsiding his own party and putting his name forward to become Speaker of the Legislature, the B.C. Liberals are firing back at MLA Daryl Plekis, revoking his membership. I was actually quite surprised. I'm very disappointed. It was a dramatic way to start a new gig, but it was nothing compared to what was to come. Now, I just want to make a quick note here. Almost everything I'm about to tell you are allegations that Daryl Plekis has made in a report that he released last month. And right now, that's all they are, allegations. Nothing's been proven in court, and no one's even been charged with a criminal offense. Now, back to the story. On his first day as Speaker, Plekis was being shown around his new office by his assistant. And as he poked around, he opened a cabinet that turned out to be full of booze. He noticed a particularly expensive bottle and said, gee, that's an expensive bottle of scotch. His assistant, who had worked for the previous speaker, told him, Mr. Speaker, you can have any kind you want if that's not good enough. Turns out there were two more cabinets in the office stocked with liquor. To Plekis, it was the first indication that the B.C. legislature didn't run like he thought it did. In his new job, two of the most important people Plekis had to work with were the clerk of the legislature and the sergeant-at-arms. Now, the clerk is in charge of the day-to-day operations of the ledge, while the sergeant-at-arms takes care of security. And those positions were occupied by Craig James and Gary Lenz. They always seem pretty relaxed. I I mean, I had various interactions, particularly with Craig James over the years, where... uh... You know, it was clear that his word was the rule on things and there there wasn't a whole lot of way to appeal it. But he was always very friendly about it. (laughs) He was always very well-dressed. Yeah, he has nice cars, too. Lenz, the sergeant-at-arms, had been a police officer, while James got to his position with some controversy. He had been seen by some as a partisan liberal who'd gotten a patronage appointment. There was sort of the feeling that he did a few things that were sort of sort of dirty work of the government. As Daryl Plekis got to know the two of them, he saw that they were really the ones who ran the place. James even told Plekis early on that if Plekis ever wanted information about anything that was going on in the legislature, he should only go through him. Plekis was only a few weeks into the first legislative session when he was told by Craig James that Plekis, James, and Lenz all needed to go to the UK. The purpose? To meet with MI5 and to get Plekis fitted for an official speaker's hat. And it was on that 10-day trip 
that Pleka started to think that something was seriously off. The trip had been entirely organized by James. When they arrived in London, Plekis realized that they were staying at the posh Park Plaza, right across from Big Ben and Westminster Palace. There were some meetings with random people from MI5, but Plekis didn't really understand the point. It was mostly social banter. And then they went to Ede and Ravenscroft, a store that specialized in ceremonial robes for legislatures and judges. That's where he was to be fitted for his new speaker's hat. And while they were there, Craig James and Gary Lenz bought a number of suits. Lenz quipped that, well, it's all part of the uniform. One suit that Lenz bought cost $1,000, which he expensed to the legislature. Plekis was bewildered. He notices that Craig James buys a gray suit. You know, the suits that they wear with, uh, or at least the pants that they wear with in the legislature are black. And so even though the suit that he buys is gray, which he can't wear in the in the legislature, he expenses it to the public. So 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 Plekis was sort of keeping track of what he was buying and then checking it against his receipts and, and seeing these things that were, were were sort of inappropriate. They went to the Scottish Parliament gift shop in Edinburgh, where Lenz bought more cufflinks, a brooch, a trinket box, a tie, and a scarf. And again, all of them were billed to the legislature. And throughout the trip, James and Lenz encouraged Plekis to do like they were doing. They told him to buy suits and to expense them to the legislature. There are early attempts by Craig James and Gary Lenz to sort of, you know, implicate the speaker, right? Like they go on these trips together. Uh, they're encouraging him to submit receipts for for a, a suit he bought, uh, you know, to get reimbursed by the public for it. You know, it's sort of a almost this clubby thing, like an entering the mafia. You know, you, he'll become implicated and, and unable to to blow the whistle on this stuff. By the time they arrived back home, Plekis was dismayed. So he decided to do something about it. Now, before he was an MLA, Plekis had been a criminologist. It was the perfect training for his latest role, an undercover agent exposing corruption from within the BC government. He was going on these trips, like the, the one to London with them, and feeling like it wasn't quite right. But at the same time, you know, he had to work closely with the clerk and the sergeant at arms uh, and didn't you know, necessarily want to say anything that was going to alienate them. For a year and a half, Plekis quietly investigated James and Lenz. There's like this 17-month period where things go on as normal, but, but Plekis is clearly watching to see what happens and to see how these people are doing their jobs. He talks about signing off on things because, again, like, well, you know, I have to work closely with with Craig and Gary. This doesn't seem quite right, but I'll sign it because I don't want to rock the boat. At one point, James came to Plekis with a piece of paper with a single paragraph typed on it. He said he needed it to be signed. It turned out to be a lucrative transition payment for executives who had worked at the ledge for 10 years. James didn't give him a justification and Plekis was suspicious. But he signed it, and he claims he did so so that he could keep a paper trail of what James and Lenz were proposing to him. He later rescinded the payment. Through that kind of painful evidence gathering, Plekis found a litany of shady payouts from James and Lenz. 
And according to his report, here's some of what the two top officers in the B.C. legislature were charging to taxpayers. Thousands of dollars in fancy suits and cufflinks. A waterproof camera, $500 worth of memory cards, and an $800 tripod. $2,000 worth of wine. Trips to China and the UK, all for dubious purposes. Luggage that cost about $1,000. Watches. Expensive knickknacks from a variety of parliamentary gift shops. $3,000 in limo rides. $5,000 in online magazine subscriptions, including to Arizona Highway Magazine, Palm Springs Life, India Today, and Electric Bike Action. A whole lot of Apple products. Craig James was actually rumored to have about nine personal Apple devices paid for by the ledge. A conference, which ostensibly was hosted by the BC Legislative Assembly, but for some reason took place in Bellevue, Washington. And they billed thousands of dollars of dinner expenses and Seattle Mariners tickets for that conference. A surprising number of items to do with Guy Fox, including Guy Fox branded mustard. And that wasn't even the half of it. There was the issue of vacation days. Gary Lenz, for, for years, uh, supposedly took no vacation and, and got paid out for, for his days, which uh, is supposed to happen only rarely. Craig James, as well, was getting paid out for vacation days where, where people suspected he was taking his vacation. I mean, he was, he was known to seldom show up on a Friday. I mean, to my eye, he always seemed very relaxed, not like somebody who was working 52 weeks a year. And some of the stuff was worth really, really big money. There was a retirement payout of $280,000 that James claimed that, that apparently he wasn't entitled to. It was signed off by Bill Beresoff when he was speaker. It sort of spoke to the situation where you had someone like James who'd been around a long, long time, knew how things worked. And then you get these elected people in who were nominally in control and had official sign-off, but didn't have the depth of knowledge, maybe hadn't been around as long, had reasons maybe to look the other way, you know, easier to sign off than to create a stink with someone who you have to work with closely. As Plekis was investigating, Lenz and James started to turn on each other. Gary Lenz told Plekis that in the summer of 2013, Craig James had gotten three legislative employees to load his pickup truck with $10,000 worth of booze bought by the Legislative Assembly. He claimed that James had even come back for a second haul. Lenz also accused James of stealing expensive coins and a scroll from the Premier's own vault. When Plekis said that there should maybe be an audit, Len said, quote, We do not want an audit. The last thing we want is an audit, and we don't want to get the outside police involved. Now remember, Gary Lenz himself used to be a police officer. Instead, he told Plekis that he should force James out quietly. And every day for weeks, Lenz would come around and ask how the plan to get James out was going. Plekis and his deputy asked around about the liquor theft. The deputy sergeant at arms said that he had seen it personally and bemoaned that, quote, I'm going to lose my job over this one. But then he told them that the liquor was nothing compared to the wood splitter. The expense that has drawn the most attention is a wood splitter costing $3,200 and a trailer to haul it for ten grand. The tool was deemed necessary in case a tree ever fell on government buildings. But according to the report, 
The pair allegedly used these tools to chop wood at their own homes. The rationale for the wood splitter is a bit hard to wrap your head around. What they claimed was that if there was ever an emergency and a tree fell on the legislature, they might need to chop said tree into firewood. Seriously. There are not that many trees on the legislature grounds. There's a big sequoia out front. But perhaps the strangest thing Plekas uncovered was an alleged suicide fraud insurance scheme. Gary Lenz told Plekas that they were creating a new position for an employee so that he could, quote, work from home. The employee was apparently dying of a terminal illness. And the plan was to allow him to pretend that he was doing his job so that he could keep his life insurance. And then the employee planned to commit suicide so that his family would get the payout. In his report, Plekis notes that not only was this a misuse of public funds, but it effectively incentivized suicide for a government employee. When Plekis released his report on legislative spending, the entire province was shocked. It's hard to overstate just how high the stakes were on this. The speaker had raised the expectations, and and I think if he hadn't delivered something with the details, there would have been a lot more questions uh, about him. So so it was one of those ones where he he managed to turn the tide on the discussion completely with the report. B.C. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson, who'd been attacking Plekka since James and Lenz had been suspended, quickly changed his tune. It's time for the political sniping to stop from all parties and reestablish trust in this institution. Because right now, it's in a real pit. And if all of us continue to squirm around in the pit mud wrestling, we're going to look like a pack of idiots. The public need to have confidence in this institution. NDP Premier John Horgan wasn't willing to hear it, and instead painted this as a liberal scandal. Horgan noted that Craig James had expensed dozens of trips to Vancouver to meet with sitting and former MLAs. Almost all of them were B.C. liberals. Here's Horgan. And in that time, 14 years, Mr. James never visited me, not in my office, not in my home. He didn't expense visits to me. He did to Christy Clark when she wasn't a member of this place. Questions have started to emerge about how the speakers before Plekas had allowed this behavior to go on for so long. Linda Reed, a former liberal speaker, was accused of firing a whistleblower who tried to expose her spending practices. Connor Gibson, known as AB in the report, says the issue goes beyond just James and Lenz. The longtime liberal was working for former speaker Linda Reed. He says she asked him to file inappropriate expenses. Under the Liberal government's tenure, over a dozen other whistleblowers may have been fired and then forced to sign non-disclosure agreements. Plekis demanded justice for these people and has pledged to cancel those NDAs. I never, ever want to see a situation where a single employee is harmed by anything that happens at the legislature. So I want to see justice for those people. It's clear that something has seriously gone wrong with how the legislature worked. 
The overall picture is of a place with sort of weak controls and people taking advantage of uh, the lack of knowledge of the people who are supposed to be in control. The funny thing too is like like a lot of these years, uh, they were sort of austerity years for the BC government where, you know, people who were working in the ministries were, uh, you know, not even traveling from Victoria to Vancouver, for instance, as a money-saving thing in, in some of those years. James and Lenz have yet to publicly respond to the accusations in the report. The police and special prosecutors are continuing their criminal investigation. There's still a lot we don't know. But Andrew Mullen from the Speaker's office has implied that this is far from over. There's still another shoe to drop. In the grand scheme of things, this might be just the hand grenade, he said. The bomb may be yet to come. That's your episode of Commons for the week. This episode relied on reporting done by Andrew McLeod at the TIE, Richard Zussman at Global News, Bob Mackin at The Breaker, and many other great reporters. And make sure to check out our other political podcast, Oppo. In the most recent episode, they delve deep on what's going on with Canada and China, and I promise you'll learn a lot. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at CanadaLand Commons, that's C-M-N-S. You can also email me, arshi at canadalandshow.com. This episode was produced by myself and Jordan Cornish. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton, and our music is by Nathan Burley. If you like what we do, please help us make this show. You can support us and get ad-free podcasts by going to patreon.com slash canadaland. <laughs>